Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you doing? I'm fine, Eric. How about, how about yourself? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm really looking forward to today's show. I know that you have a special guest on today. Can you introduce him to the audience? Yeah, this is John Leonetti, who's the CEO of uh, Pinnacle Equity Solutions, Inc., and also the International Growth and Exit Planning Association. And he's a uh, recognized leader and educator in exit planning, and also the author of Exiting Your Business, Protecting Your Wealth, a strategic guide for owners and their advisors. Real happy that John is with us today. Thanks, Peter. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on and speak with you and talk about exciting topics that relate to business owners and their wealth and their privately held business. I really look forward to the conversation. Great. Well, thanks for doing it. John, we've been doing a, a series of podcasts that are focused on the on the process we've built that that helps the small business owner develop a, a business exit strategy. And so over the next 25 to 30 minutes, uh, we'll talk about an important and vital step in our in our six six step process for exit planning for the for the small business owner. And we'll try and help the business owner understand what's vital in an exit strategy and, and succession plan. And, and, and with that in mind, what, what I, I just want to briefly mention that in, in my experience, the, the vast majority of business owners that, that we engage with, just they're just not quite ready to exit their business. It's not like they're going to walk away tomorrow, although that, that may be a, a plan uh, that they want to implement in the, in the near future. Uh, and they realize that an exit or transfer of the business is going to eventually occur, but it's just not, it's not going to happen immediately. So John, could you, could you comment on your experience with the, with the business owner's readiness to exit? Sure, Peter. Thanks. So a couple of points here I'd like to go through when, when we think about, or for the business owners who are listening, the privately held business owner, there's so much typically wrapped up in the small business owners relationship with their company the relationship that they have with their employees, the relationships that they have with their vendors. You know, many privately held business owners develop social circles around their business. They take their vacations with their spouses on business trips to nice places with small groups, study groups, or 20 groups, or conferences, where they develop those social interactions that are tied to the business. And then of course, there's the business owners standing in recognition in their community where oftentimes many employees will work for the business owner and the business owners standing and reputation is tied to the business as well. So when we talk about business exits and we talk about the owner's transition from the company, which many understand a sale transaction is the most intuitive, but there are many other ways to transition a business. We find, Peter, that most owners 
are so busy running their businesses, particularly with the challenges that have been faced this year with COVID and 2020 and the impact on the economy and different types of companies that were impacted differently, we, we find that most owners are just not only not well prepared to exit, but even during the preparation stage, which is our, our exit planning, we find that most owners still exhibit traits of wanting to, to delay or defer the ultimate day when they won't be working in their business anymore to some point in the future. I think the, the most helpful thing that a business owner can do to protect the wealth that's in their business is do some planning around what that day will be, what it will look like, what's the timing of that, and what needs to happen between now and then, both at the company and personally, to help that owner be ready. So Peter, as you know, it's not only my observations that um, I'm quoting. We have a survey that we created, an online survey that more than 2,700 business owners have taken in the last number of years. And we measure what we call mental readiness, which is their desire to leave. And in my book that you mentioned, we have low mental readiness and high mental readiness, high mental readiness suggesting an owner's ready to go today, low mental readiness being more indicative of the owners that fit the description that I, I just provided of knowing they need to do something but not wanting to do it right away. And as you know, Peter, uh, 84% of the business owners, almost eight and a half out of 10 surveyed, have a low mental readiness for exit. They're, they're not really ready to go. So exit planning, therefore, becomes a lot about preparing both that owner and education is a big part of the preparation process, preparing that owner and the company for that point in time in the future when they may want to exit. And I think one of the challenges for business owners is really just getting the process started so that they can be more prepared and more ready because generally speaking, just like most things in life, better preparation leads to better results or, or more acutely put, a lack of preparation can lead to some really bad results, as you know, Peter. So what we try to do uh, at our company, what my book tried to communicate to the marketplace was help owners get ready, a big part of which is is the mental readiness for the exit. A lot of business owners are, are concerned about exiting at some point. Many wanted to, to, to defer that decision, but it's the preparation, it's the planning that, that seems to be the most important. Otherwise, the business owner is kind of faced with um, that rolling 10, that, that rolling 10 business plan where it's, uh, I'm retiring in 10 years. Yep. <laughs> and it, and it, it keeps on <laughs> extending. <laughs> we've, we've all it seen uh, uh, the business owners that have, 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 have taken that approach. So, so, so today's conversation is really about growth planning. And, and why is that so important for, this, for the business owner? As I finished up there saying, better preparation leads to better results because the owner has better information and understands how things need to happen for a successful exit. And Peter, what you're pointing to is the need to increase business value as part of the preparation process. So if we think about 
three types of preparation. The first type is the personal preparation that I referenced. It's the owner's relationship to their company, their community, and all of the factors that are more on a personal nature of what the owner gets from the business, not just in terms of profit and remuneration and lifestyle, but also in terms of the um, fulfillment of owning and running a business on multiple levels. That's the personal readiness. The market readiness uh, has to do with having an understanding of what's going on, what are the factors in the marketplace that impact successful exits. So for example, for many businesses in many industries, if they were looking at an exit in 2019, it would be a lot different than an exit in our COVID-impacted economic climate that we're in today. So much has changed for everybody, and a lot of that was part of timing. And, and the thing about timing is we can't control that. Nobody could control, it seems clear, a, a global pandemic. Not to politicize our discussion, but it doesn't seem like it was controllable. Therefore, we try to focus on the things that we can help the owner control in terms of readiness, which is education, understanding that markets run in cycles. And while a global pandemic sort of transcends those economic cycles, it's still a factor in the preparation of understanding the market. So Peter, we have personal readiness, we have market readiness to try to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. And then we have the company readiness. And what you're pointing to, Peter, is a subset of my commentary on the low mental readiness. Uh, I said that 84%, nearly eight and a half out of 10 business owners are not ready to exit their business. And, and, and the challenge there is because they're not ready, they don't do a lot of planning, which leads to poor outcomes from unplanned exits, which is what we're trying to avoid by educating the marketplace. However, it's not just the mental readiness that is the issue. It's also the fact that almost two thirds of all of the 2,700 business owners that were surveyed were also had a low financial readiness. And, and what this suggests is that in order to maintain that owner's lifestyle, uh, in order for them to live the same lifestyle from the same amount of cash flow and profit that they take from the business each year, uh, we find that nearly two thirds of all business owners that were surveyed, uh, 66%, have a low financial readiness, which is the other part of our six-step exit planning process that you reference, measuring mental readiness and financial readiness. And because they have a low financial readiness, one of the key reasons that that financial readiness is low is because most of their money is still in the business. They're not independently wealthy because the business required a lot of cash to grow and to run. Now we find that the business owner is illiquid, has most of the wealth in their business. And in fact, when we do some planning around what the business owner needs from this exit, we find that the valuation by and large is not enough to satisfy their lifestyle. So Peter, as, as we 
say somewhat tug in cheek, the, the business owner in, that fits this description, which is two out of three business owners surveyed out of thousands, uh, we say, okay, there's a few options. The owner can reduce their lifestyle and what they spend. And, and most owners don't, don't want to do that. The other option is to take more risk in the, in the financial markets, try to increase what you have. And most owners don't want to do that. They take risk in their business. Now, if owners have time, there's a nice option where they can start to save more money outside of their business to be more financially independent. But many of our baby boomers don't have a lot of time for that plan that could take a decade or more. So what we find, Peter, is that we land on the final square in the puzzle, so to speak, which is why don't we grow the value of the business? That seems to be the option that resonates with most owners uh, because it's intuitive anyway that owners want to grow and not just grow the revenues, but actually grow the value so that what they have can be monetized at some point in the future. So our observation through our data from our survey results suggests that business owners need to grow the value by and large to satisfy their lifestyle post-exit. And that's where we find a majority of business owners in our country today. John, uh, how, how is it how is growth planning different than just maximizing revenue or income for the for the business owner and, and the business owner's family? Because there seems to be a difference between between those two goals. There, there is Peter, and the average business owner thinks, well, if I want to grow, I should get more customers and more sales. And, and that makes a lot of sense, right? Because that's more revenue, it's more cash, and therefore the owner's thinking about growth. What, what we try to do is help the owner see beyond that and to see that for that owner to monetize their business one day, there's a whole other host of factors that come into play beyond revenue growth or sales growth that are critical, as you pointed to in the beginning of our interview, to the successful exit of that company in the future. So let me give you uh, a few thoughts and then a few examples. So if a business can reduce its risk profile, it can increase its value, even if the cash flow does not increase. So some a business owner listening today might say, well, what does that mean, right? If I want a more valuable company, I need to show top line growth. Uh, yes, that there's some truth to that, but that's not the only factor. You can, in fact, have the same level of sales, but reduce risk and make your business more valuable and more transferable. So Peter, let me give the example. Let's assume that a business owner increases the revenue by working more hours and traveling more and selling more customers. Okay, that has generated more revenue. But is that revenue sustainable revenue, particularly if the business owner is not planning on staying with the company after the sale of the business? I might argue that it's not. 
And so the increased revenue and increased cash flow alone helps out with lifestyle. It helps make a better financial appearance in terms of the trends of the business going upward, which is certainly better than going downward financially. But the risk profile hasn't changed. In fact, it's probably increased because now there are more customers that need more service, that, that need more hand-holding, that require typically all things being equal, larger organization. So Peter, when we think about value growth and growing the value of a business like so many business owners need to do today, we think in terms of very simple analogy of a game of checkers versus a game of chess. And in the game of checkers, as you know, the pieces move in limited ways and the game is more one dimensional as it relates to how the interaction goes with the opponent, which we can think about in the marketplace. The value, growing the value of a privately held company is less about playing checkers where you're saying, okay, I'm going to take this one piece and I'm going to move it. And then that's going to put me in a position at a later point to move another piece and see what the board looks like then. In a chess game, as we know, all the pieces have different functions and different abilities. But the key to playing a good game of chess is understanding how the pieces interact with each other. And therefore, taking, making moves on the chessboard where the, the strength of each of those pieces is supporting the strength of the other one. So coming back to our example, if a business owner wanted to grow the value of their business, they may not just go out there and try to get more customers and more revenue and then put it on top of a, a business that would need more infrastructure to support it. Rather, they may think about the simultaneous expansion of their foundation, their customer service, and their delivery departments. If it's a product company, it's the manufacturing side. And they may set a strategic plan for growth so that the new sales are properly supported and the capital is in place and the operations and the leadership team are all in place to support that growth, to make that growth sustainable. And then once you have sustainable growth, particularly sustainable growth that is independent of the owner that can grow and, and expand separate from the owner so that it has sustainability beyond the owner's individual contribution, then the value starts to increase very specifically because it's the owner that most likely is going to get paid in a transaction. And once that owner is paid, their role as an employee and their perspective as an employee probably changes. They're independently liquid, perhaps wealthy, and perhaps with enough so that they don't have to work anymore. They're probably not as motivated to grow the business. Uh, so we want to think about and have owners think about a strategic growth plan that's comprehensive and addresses different areas of the company if, in fact, what they're trying to do is grow the value of their company to meet their personal goals. Yeah, the, the key seems to me is is risk reduction in the, in the sense that you've got 
you can, you you have a strong management team. You have processes and systems in place. You've got a, a recurring a, a way to generate revenue, and less and and the business is less reliant on the business owner. And all these things make the business more valuable to the new management team or the new owner. And that's really the key, isn't it? It is, and in fact, Peter, as you know, we we have another survey that we created that we've had uh, almost 800 business owners take called the Owner Dependence Index. And the Owner Dependence Index survey asks 40 questions of the owners about how dependent the business is on that individual owner. And it breaks it down over eight different categories of the business from finance to corporate governance, to operations, to company culture, and so on and so forth. And nationwide, over almost 800 surveys, the average US business is 54% dependent upon the owner and their interaction with the company. That's more than half of the company's business operations and functionality is dependent upon the owner. Our goal with that survey is very much aligned with your comments, is to help the owner realize how much the company is dependent upon them and then work over time to reduce some of that dependency, perhaps not all of it, and not all exit options require the owner to stop working. That's very important to understand too. Some of the most successful exits today are where the owner sells equity but continues to execute on the growth plan with the new investor and continues in the function of employee post-close. And if there is a growth plan in place and if the business is less dependent upon the owner, then there is more ri- there is pardon me, less risk and therefore higher value and higher ability to transition that company. Another way to look at this, Peter, is to take the basic definition of value, valuation, and understand that valuation as a definition says that all value is a prophecy of future cash flows and the risk related to the cash flows materializing in the future. So on the one hand, we have a business owner, uh, a company that has cash flow, has revenue and net income, and then we have the risk associated with that. The risk can sometimes be associated with a multiplier. And most business owners understand that a value of a business is typically cash flow times a multiplier. So if you have a million dollars in cash flow and your multiple is four, then your business is worth $4 million. But what's the difference between a four multiple, a five multiple, and a six multiple? It's it's the factors we're talking about here. It's the ability to have the right infrastructure and to have another buyer recognize that the business can continue and is sustainable. So that million dollars times four could be worth times five, a five million or six million dollar business. And now we're talking about real money, Peter that is generated because the business has 
more transparency in it, more systems, more procedure, more leadership team, and more of a growth plan that's being executed so that they can present the business in the future to an investor for transition of the ownership under a growth plan that is being executed. And you know, Peter, the thing about this call and the thing about exit planning is that all of this takes time. It takes time to be personally ready. It takes time to make the changes in the business. And I think that's well, what makes the world of exit planning so exciting and, and the opportunities so significant is that we're in a position to educate business owners and help them over a period of time get more successful exits from their company. I'm so happy you mentioned the the, uh, the surveys. We use those surveys and, and I find they're just a great tool to educate and, and to start a conversation about their readiness and, and their and the company's dependence on, on the on the business owner. So so they're great they're great tools. They, they can they can be found on our website. So if if any any of our listeners want to want to take them, be my guest. John, what do you think the current market environment has? How has that impacted businesses and the need, and this need for for growth planning? Yep. So great question, Peter. I, I've referenced the impact of COVID or coronavirus uh, a few times, but let let me let me try to frame the way that I look at the marketplace today. Uh, COVID has had impacts on all businesses. And we can break down and categorize the businesses into three different types in the marketplace today. There are essential businesses that never stopped working, that were deemed essential, that were not part of what some have called the great shutdown. That's category number one. A category number two are businesses like like yours and mine, Peter. They're non-essential, but we're able to continue to continue to operate because we're able to sit from different locations and work with technology to deliver information and we can deliver advice and, and we can even teach remotely uh, as we're learning with our younger school students these days, learning on Zoom. There's a lot that we can do as non-essential businesses that can still function, and that's category number two. Category number three are the non-essential businesses that could not function. Uh, clearly, the restaurants, the gyms, the bars, the nightclubs, the trampoline parks for the kids, hmm. and so on and so forth. That third category, I don't think, requires further discussion. There, there's, there's real pain there. They, they were the most impacted. So if we think about the businesses that are out there, Peter, you know, the first category, most businesses that I know in that category increased the value of their enterprise this year in 2020, because while everyone else was shut down, they were deemed essential. They kept on working and growing and building. The employees kept showing up and, and all things being equal, they've increased their value. The second group requires some evaluation. I, I heard something that I thought was a bit unique in, in April and May of this year. They said, you know, flat in terms of revenue being flat is the new up 50%, meaning 
if you're just maintaining <laughs> right your business that's the equivalent of being up 50 percent in a good market so for many businesses that fit that second category description of non-essential but continuing to operate just being flat and maintaining uh, was a success and the value of those companies really depends on the specific business whether whether it was impacted negatively or perhaps even positively many service businesses are seeing an increase uh, not the least of which are businesses like yours and mine peter where we give advice and because of all this market disruption it turns out there's actually a more a greater need for that advice there's more openness to that advice i would argue than than in the past so demand for what we do actually grows because business owners are looking for experienced help that you have to help them navigate a new landscape and a new business environment to protect that business asset. And then the third category, of course, are the, are the most impacted. And, and those are the ones that not only need to think about increasing value, right? They, they're way past that. They need to understand first how to restore their business, how to get their business back up and running, and then try to recapture some of that value. And unfortunately, we, we know quite a few businesses that, that fit that description, and it's going to take some time for them to come back. But what we're sharing here can be valuable to those businesses as well, because as they rebuild their companies, they can do so in a more thoughtful, for lack of a better term, manner in terms of how they build it strategically as they start to grow and, and rebuild uh, their companies. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so hopeful that these, this, this third level, this third tier of businesses can, can get back eventually. It's, uh, my heart goes out to them and, and to so many of their employees and to our communities that have been affected. It's really been, it's been tough for so many. John, what what are the specific steps an owner can take today to start planning for for this this kind of growth? Yep. So, independent of where they are in the in the market today, and, and I echo your sentiment for those uh, impacted those impacted businesses. Independent of where they are today, I think the first thing that a business owner listening to this podcast can do is start to reflect on whether they have a strategic plan in place for growth, a, a plan that factors in the different elements of growth in relation to what they're trying to achieve. Exit planning and growth planning are almost by definition strategic planning for how a business wants to grow. And as a business owner thinks about that, right, one of the surveys that you mentioned on your website, Peter, is the growth planning index. It's the third tool that we've created to help business owners think about what they want to do with growing the value of their business. Not every business owner wants to increase the value because increasing value requires more investment and sometimes more risk. So it's a bit ironic to use a term risk because the owner has to invest more to reduce risk, right? The owner has to take more personal risk, put more of their personal money back into the business 
to reduce the riskiness of the business itself by investing in the foundation, right? So I want to make sure we're understanding those terms. But those are, those are decisions that every business owner makes either consciously or unconsciously. When I say unconsciously, I mean many business owners, particularly in a difficult market like we're in right now, they're happy to make payroll. They're happy to keep the business going. They're trying to reduce the layoffs or they're trying to grow at, at a level that they think is is acceptable and take care of their families. And they're, many are just grateful to have what they have because they see all the damage around them. But for those owners that want to start to do some longer term planning, right? And that's the thing about a crisis. A crisis drives focus on the short term, Peter. It has us think about the here and now, the today, which is necessary. But what's also necessary to grow the value of a business and to exit properly is to think ahead to where the business needs to be and where the owner needs to be in relation to that. And that's where advisors like like yourself help is to bring that perspective to a business owner to say, look, while we're struggling through the challenges of today, let's allocate a little bit of our time together to thinking about the future, to thinking about a time when the economy returns and, and our, this virus is, is, is ma more manageable. I'll say that. I don't know if it'll be fully under control, but more manageable. Let's think ahead to those times when things are restored and and let's set a plan for where we need to be at that point in time. I think that if the business owners listening can go to your website and take the growth planning index, it takes about 10 minutes and it's 20 questions. They can begin to think about through the 20 questions that are asked, how and where they want to allocate resources to growth, how quickly they might want to grow, how much growth they're really committed to undertaking and then start that conversation with you, Peter. I think that's probably the best thing that owners can do is, is to start thinking about this. The, the reality is that business owners that focus on value increase the value of their company. So I'll say that again, because it's worth repeating like many things in life, what we pay attention to, what we give energy towards, tends to expand and grow and, and, and become more of what it's capable of becoming because we're paying attention to it, whether we're paying attention to our children as they grow or grandchildren, as the case may be. Uh, how much attention we pay or how little attention we pay has a huge impact on the maturation of, of that child. And if we think about a business in the same terms, then we can think about the same concept. And, and if a business owner pays a lot of attention to the value of the business, not just the operations of the business, if they think about what they want that business to grow into, what it's capable of being and how they can get it there, or if they want to take it there, then we find that those owners tend to get better results as it relates to the growth of the business because that's where their focus is. And the surveys that I mentioned in the growth planning index survey that's on your website help the business owner to start to do that. So in other words, Peter, drawing back on another analogy, if, if a business owner, if a client wanted to 
lose weight, right? They can think about going to the gym. They can read about going to the gym. They can, you know, go online and research going to the gym. <laughs> or they can take that important first step and actually show up at the gym and talk to somebody at the gym about getting on an exercise program as one component of nutrition exercise to help them lose weight and get into better physical shape. And we can think about it and we can read about it and we can study things, but taking action is really the best first step. And I use the gym analogy because it's the easiest one, the one that we can all relate to. Because once you go to the gym and you talk to somebody about getting on a program, a maintenance program, or somebody that wants to build their strength or just simply wants to develop their muscles a little differently or just wants to be a little more healthy and wants to get more cardio in, they, they can begin to customize the type of exercise they want, but they have to start that important process of committing to it. And, and I think that what business owners can do, no matter where they are and, and what their situation is for, that they're facing, they can take the growth planning index survey and they can start a conversation with you, Peter, and get going in that direction. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it's, it's certainly the, the we, we all believe those of us that are in the planning business believe that if you, if you know where you want to go, you're more likely to get there. It's kind of taking a step back and working, working on your business, not just in your business are, are really the, the important and vital things that you need to do and, and take the time, just like, as you say, uh, take time with your, with your family. Cause that's, that's going to help. Uh, that's going to be the most powerful and, and impactful. It's the time that you spend. Uh, John, business owners are focused on running their business as they should be, but every business owner needs and business needs a team of advisors around them. And, and, and especially when it comes to exit and succession planning. So, it's this is such an important part of the process. So, who are the professionals that can assist the business owner in this area? Good question, Peter. And and this is sort of a double-edged sword, right? Because number one, the fact that a lot of advisors are needed highlights the complexity of what we're talking about, right? This this isn't simple. You and I are speaking today because the level of importance is equivalent to the complexity. It's critically important, as you said, that owners get this right, because on average, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of value inside the companies. And when we talk about growth or exit, we talk about the different types of service providers that are needed. We talk about the CPA that helps manage the books or prepare the financial statements uh, and help do the cash flow projections and explain the business from a financial perspective to an investor, uh, as the case may be. So the CPA is, is, one, is, is one advisor. Of course, we have the attorney because uh, businesses need to engage in contracts, executive retention contracts, vendor contracts, customer contracts, franchise agreements, if you're going in that direction, LLC agreements, new LLC participants, if you're incentivized people with growth. Of course, there's also the estate planning that gets done by the attorney. So the attorney needs to have a seat at the table and becomes a part of the planning. Of course, there's the financial advisor to do the 
personal planning and to start the conversation around architecting an exit or a growth plan to begin to fit that in to the overall personal plan. As so much of our conversations talked about, uh, there's a personal element uh, to all of this that once an owner understands that, uh, they can begin to develop their plans around what they want personally. And even the measurement of how much money they need is a personal financial planning exercise that is invaluable to the process. And then, Peter, there are so many other professionals that serve business owners. I don't want to leave any of them out, but I will say that the growth planner or the growth consultant would be the fourth person on the team because that's the individual that is a business consultant and very much like a mechanic who gets under the hood of a car and looks at the engine and assesses how to fix what's broken or further refine or improve how that engine is running, the business growth consultant can do that. And to the extent one more advisor that a business owner wants to sell, there are investment banks and intermediaries that handle sale transactions and other forms of transacting, including internal transfers to ESOPs, family members, key managers, uh, charitable trusts, and, and that type. So when, when business owners can assemble the right team, they can become better educated and leverage what you and I have spent our careers learning, uh, Peter, so that we can disseminate that to the business owner in a way that functions with the other advisors in a collaborative process and deliver a better solution to that owner. So those are many of the essential team members, to borrow that term, that are needed for this type of planning and execution. Yeah, I think collaboration is the uh, is the, the operative term because everyone, all the advisors come at it from a slightly different perspective, but everyone's viewpoint and, and experience is so important in this process. But thank you for, for those comments. I think it's re really important to understand that it does take a team to, to really get the best results. Yes. Uh, John, this has been uh, such a, a, a great experience for, for me talking to you, and I, I've really gotten, gotten so much out of it, and I think our listeners have too. If our listeners want to reach out to you directly, what, what's the best way for them to do so? Yep. So... Peter, our website around exit planning is theiepa.com, T-H-E-I-E-P-A.com. But as you well know, Peter, I think the, um, so they can go to the website. There's lots of information about exit planning that we talked about today. And the website also lists folks like yourself, Peter, that have gone through the exit planning training and are, are delivering this service and I don't want this to be too promotional, but I would recommend they call you, Peter. You're, you're available to help them, and you can assist them on a one-on-one -on -one basis to help them develop their plans for growing and exiting. And then from there, you can assemble the team to bring in, as needed, folks like myself, if I can participate. But uh, you have a, a wealth of resources available to you, Peter, from working with a, a company that has done hundreds and hundreds uh, of exit plans for business owners around the country, you have an extraordinary back office and team that should give your business owners listening today that reach out to you access to most, if not all, the professionals that are needed to do this type of work. So 
I would turn it back to you, Peter, and recommend that our listeners give you a call and begin the process with you. And you can invest time to bring the resources that are needed as a, as a trained exit consultant. Well, thanks, John. I, I, I appreciate that. I, and again, thanks for, for being our guest today. If listeners do have questions and want to reach out to me, they can certainly visit our website at raskinplanning.com or, or they can call me directly at 617-728-7433. And thanks again, John. This has been a, a great 35, 40 minutes. So really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, Peter. And thanks for the opportunity to speak. And Hopefully we reach some business owners and it makes a difference and they reach out to you and start the process and take those first steps towards developing their business plans for growth and exit in the future. Really appreciate the opportunity, Peter. Peter and John, this was fantastic. Wow. I mean, I just sat back and listened to a wealth of information. John, I can see how you could be incredibly effective for business owners because exit planning is kind of emotional in, in and of itself. And you were just calm, even keel the entire podcast. And I loved it. I loved listening to all the wisdom that you were sharing. Peter, it's obvious why you uh, hooked up with this group and got the education that you did and have all the resources that you have because on so many podcasts, we've discussed how much you care for your families and your, your business owner clients. So again, thank you so much for bringing John on and John, thank you for being a wonderful guest. Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. And the last thank you, of course, goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.